a loving word to the lonely Christian. How many of you in here have ever been lonely? Remember that song, Only the Lonely? All right. There we go. Something came on. Which one came on? This one came on. This one's not on. Is this one on? This, 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 this. I hope we can get this one on. We'll do it. Amen. Let's read together Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, It is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, only the lonely. <laughs> Amen. Now we, we got it all on. Praise God. I wanted to remind you real quickly of two things. Tuesday nights, we come here and we pray from 6.30 to 7.30. And uh, we talked about opening it up to the church, and I've just been coming up here with a couple of the pastors. Uh, and I just, I just want to let you know that you're invited if you want to come Tuesday nights, uh, 6.30 to 7.30. We pray, and we seek God, and we ask His blessing to come upon us. And uh, we need to be in prayer, amen? So how many of you in here, uh, let me try this again, how many of you in here are prayers? You like praying? You called to pray? If you can get here, we'd love to have you Tuesday nights. Amen? Then also, if you have a child in here and that child acts up and begins to cry, can I tell you in love, I know you're used to it, but this place was made for acapella noise that echoes, and we're recording these, these messages, and we love your baby as much as you, but it's a conflict of interest on the tape, so if you could take them out, and minister to them, and then bring them back in. We'd love you for it. All right, Genesis 2.18. It is not good that man should be alone. Now I want you to know today, folks, that there is a difference between alone and lonely. There is a difference between alone and lonely. Webster's Dictionary defines alone as being apart from anyone else, absent from any other person. That's alone. But lonely means unhappy at being alone. Unhappy at being alone. Loneliness is a feeling of emptiness or hollowness inside you. You might experience loneliness as a vague feeling that something is not right, a kind of minor emptiness, or you might feel loneliness as a very intense deprivation and deep pain. One type of loneliness might be related to missing a specific individual because they have died or because they're so far away. Another type might involve feeling alone and out of contact with people because you're physically isolated. You might even feel emotionally isolated when you're surrounded by people but are having difficulty reaching out to them. But alone and lonely are two different things. Alone is nobody's here, but lonely is I'm hurting. Lonely is I'm feeling pain. Lonely is not a desirable state of mind. We don't like feeling lonely. And did you know that you can be alone but not be lonely? Jesus said, the hour is coming. Yes, it has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me, you will leave me alone. But listen to what he said, and yet, being alone, I am not alone. 
because the Father is with me. Being alone, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now here's the weird thing about loneliness. Conversely, you can be in a crowd of people continuously surrounded by others and still suffer the pangs of loneliness. Our churches are filled with lonely people and our world is filled with lonely people. Albert Einstein said, it is strange to me to be known so universally and yet be so lonely. Loneliness is one of the plagues of our time. Psychologist Paul Little wrote, one of the prominent symptoms of our times is loneliness. Isn't it ironic, he says, that in an age of the greatest population explosion the world has ever known, more people are desperately lonely than ever before. Even the high-rise apartments in our big cities are monuments to loneliness. There is aching loneliness behind the doors of those apartments for so many people. I know of people, he goes on to write, both in the city and in the suburb, who go to the large shopping centers simply for the opportunity to talk to somebody in the store. So lonely, aching with such an ache, I'm going to go to the store and check out of the counter just to talk to somebody. And yet there are more people alive on planet Earth today than in the history of the world. Loneliness is the plague of our day. And do you know that loneliness was no stranger to people in Bible times? Listen to Job's complaint. My kinsfolk have failed me. My familiar friends have forgotten me. In my down moment, my dark hour, I'm lonely. David the psalmist lamented, I'm forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I'm forgotten. I used to be a hero, now I'm a zero. I used to be famous, now I'm infamous. I used to be loved by the whole kingdom, but now none of them will even acknowledge me. I'm lonely. A Jewish proverb says, loneliness eats into the soul. And I believe eventually it eats into the body. And being a Christian is no guarantee against loneliness. Sometimes it guarantees loneliness. You may say, well, once the single Christian is married, the loneliness problem is solved. No. There are lonely married Christians everywhere. One married Christian man wrote, real loneliness consists in not being alone, but in being in the suffocating darkness of a room in which no real communication is even possible. Because you can have people around you, but if there's no interaction, if there's no transparency, there's loneliness. You know, the Bible answers every single problem that man is presented with. Every single problem is answered by the Bible, and the Bible answers everything we need to know about the plague and the problem of loneliness. So what is the answer, Pastor, to loneliness? Because I'm lonely. I don't want to tell anybody, but I'm lonely. When I go home today, I know that I'm going to be not just alone, but I'm going to be lonely. I'm in a marriage, but that marriage is dead. I'm lonely. If you don't handle loneliness, friend, loneliness will handle you. Loneliness will spiral you down into depression. Loneliness will lead you to places you shouldn't go, around people you shouldn't be around. Loneliness will eat you alive if you don't handle it. And that's why my Bible tells me what to do with loneliness. First of all, the Bible says, if you're lonely, 
you're going to have to reach out to other people. Now, I want you to say something with me. Reach out to others. Now, here's the deal with loneliness. When you're lonely, you get depressed. When you get depressed, you don't want to reach out to anybody. And that's why God gave you a will. God gave you a will that you can tell your feet to walk. You can tell your mouth to talk. You can tell yourself to take action whether or not you feel it. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 24, he that wants friends must show himself friendly. I can't tell you how many times in a, as, as a pastor of a church I've had people say to me, by the way, Charles Martin had a great blessing in the form of a compliment for you. He said, you know, that was one of the most loving churches I've been to in a long time. He said, they really loved me. And he said, and I felt it. And so you know what, folks? That's what the world is longing for because we live in a lonely, aching, hurting world. And they want love. What the world needs now, that's one thing the Beatles said right, is love. Real love. God's love. So the Bible says if you want friends, guess what? You're going to have to come out of your shell, out of your depression, out of your loneliness, and reach out to other people. Dr. Alan Fromm, another counselor, he gave these tips for loneliness, and I think they're great. Listen to this. He said, number one, you've got to keep moving. If you're lonely, if loneliness is eating you alive, if you know that today you're going to go home and you're going to be lonely, well, I'm just going to sit in a chair, turn on the TV, and spiral down in my loneliness. Go ahead, but guess what? I learned, and I say this in love, God does not attend pity parties. You can send him an invitation, but he doesn't show up. He'll come to you and say, now I want you to get out of yourself, move out, begin to touch other people, reach out to other people, but I'm not going to sit here and watch you destroy yourself by spiraling into depression over loneliness. I learned a long time ago, God gave the word and he expects us to know it. Amen? So, so here's what he said, keep moving. Number one, keep moving. Let not one week go by without giving or accepting an invitation. If you don't get an invitation, give an invitation. You say, to what? Anything. Make something up. But get out of your loneliness. Call somebody. Say, well, nobody ever calls me. I can't tell you how many people have said to me in years gone by, well, I went to that church and nobody greeted me. You know what? Let the anointing of the greeter come on you. Let the anointing of the greeter come on you. Say, well, nobody greeted me. Nobody said hello. Nobody loved on me. Well, then, that means God is tapping you on the shoulder and telling you to take the initiative and go and greet them. He that has friends must show himself friendly. Everybody, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to smile like you're greeting me because some of you look like you were baptized in pickle juice, and I'm going to preach it out of you today. Are you ready? One, two, three, smile. That's how you greet. Some of you, your face is cracking because you haven't smiled in so long. It's amazing what a smile can do. Just a smile can do to take care of the lonely problem. Just smiling at somebody. He says, keep on moving. You know, as I have often said, God blesses moving targets. God blesses moving targets. Put feet to your faith. Don't let it one week go by without accepting an invitation or, or giving an invitation. Two, practice speaking to new people. Practice speaking to new people. If the people you're around are keeping you lonely, then practice saying hello to new friends. Make new friends. Smile. And practice greeting new people. Ask conversation opening questions. What do you do? 
Boy, this is profound stuff, Pastor Jeff. I'm going to have to really go out and think about this. <laughs> Just learn conversation opening questions. Get the thing. Build the bridge. Open the drawbridge to your heart. Open the drawbridge to your life. Don't be so isolated. Don't be a, an island. Be a bridge. And just begin to talk to new people. Third, learn to be a good lis listener. Learn to be a good listener. It, listen, if most people know that you're a good listener, they're glad to talk. You know what most people's philosophy about that is, don't you? Well, we've talked about me enough, now let's talk about me. People love to talk about themselves. And so if you're a good li listener, you've got ten points in your favor right there because everybody loves talking about themselves. Be a good listener. And then fourth, he said, make a habit of people. Make a habit of people. Make a habit of people by finding every possible means to be with them. Church is a great way. You ought to try care ministry. Do you know that our care ministry is exploding? We've already got two or three care groups that are ready to multiply. They could multiply three times. There's a couple of them could multiply three times if we had the care leaders and the host homes. If you're lonely, do something about it. Go where human beings are. Now, I love dogs. I love pets. But you know what? My dog can't talk to me. He tries, but he can't do it. There is a level at which my dog cannot minister to my needs for interaction. I've got to find a human being. And so go where they are. And then when you get where they are, talk to them. You be the one that smiles. You be the one that approaches. You be the one that's nice. You be the one that's loving. And that, that aching loneliness on the inside has got to subside. Now the second tip for loneliness is this one. I want you to understand, I, I'm really talking here the truth. I know this is true because of what the Bible says. Spend time with God. Because I believe that much of our loneliness is due to a lack of fellowship with God. So, Pastor Jeff, he's up there. I'm down here. He doesn't have skin on him. He's not a human being. Ah, but listen, there's a God-shaped hole in every soul. There's a God-shaped hole in every soul that no human being can fill. i got to tell you something. Truthfully today, there is a point at which a human being cannot meet your need for fellowship. There comes a point at which a wife, a husband, a friend, a child, or any other person cannot and will never satisfy your need. Because there is a part of you that was made to fellowship with people, but there is a part of you that was made to fellowship with God. And I think we get the two confused, and we think my whole problem is because I don't have the right people in my life. But let me tell you something. You can, you can marry an incredible person. You can have incredible friends. You can be surrounded by people who are excellent at conversation and fellowship and still have that gnawing ache on the deep down inside of you, deep in your soul, because there is a God-shaped hole in every soul, and God did not intend for a human being to meet that need. You're going to only find it in God. And that's what's wrong with our world. Do you know that that world out there is aching for God and they do not know it? Do you know why they snort cocaine, drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, go from one relationship to another, to another, to another? They are looking for something to fill the hole in their soul that is made for God. 
You can't put a square peg in a round hole. You can't make a human being fill a need that only God can. Oh, we got to hear this today, folks. Because Jesus Christ came to take your hand and God's hand. He's the mediator, and He puts them together. He joins your hand with God's hand. That's what Jesus came to do. He's a mediator. We are fallen. We have fallen away from God, from fellowship with God. That's why in the Garden of Eden, you never see Adam hiding from God. He is fellowshipping with God, walking with God. The Bible says in the cool of the garden. Can you imagine what it was like on any given morning in the Garden of Eden before the fall? Because Adam walked with God in the cool of the morning. God walking right with him. They had intimate fellowship one with another. And then came the fall. Then came disobedience. And sin entered the human race. And the greatest curse that sin brought was it broken fellowship with God. So it unplugged us. It unplugged us. We were made to be plugged into the life flow of God, into the presence of God, into fellowship with God. And I'm going to tell you folks, you're not going to get it by hugging a tree. You're not going to get it by any other way but through the Lord Jesus Christ who came to be the mediator between God and man. That was His ministry. And that's how God showed His love to us. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we have life by getting plugged in, back in, to fellowship with God through the mediator, Jesus Christ. He's our attorney. He's our lawyer. See, that's the difference between religion and real Christianity. Christianity in the raw, Christianity, put simply, is not religion. Religion is man making his best effort to reach God. Meditation, doing good works, never getting a traffic ticket, never cussing, living a good life, going to a house of worship and putting your name in there and putting in your time every Sunday as a religious ritual. But your best effort will never get you to God. Your best effort will never plug you into Him. Well, Pastor Jeff, we're all His children. No, we're not. No, we're not. You say, well, now, now I'm offended by that statement. Well, then, hear me out. The Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And until we come to Him through the person of Christ, we are children of wrath, not children of God. We're not all God's children. All you got to do is look at the human race and what we do to each other and the way we act apart from God to know that we are not reflecting God or His nature. How in the world do you walk into a subway in a crowded downtown street with a bomb strapped to your body and blow up innocent civilians? And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but that's the far end. That's the far spectrum of our culture, Pastor Jeff. That's not normal people. Ah, but that is where human nature can go without God. Jesus said, we got to hear this, y'all. You must be born again to ever see the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? Born once, you're a child of wrath. Born twice, you're a child of God. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're saved. Born once, there is no hope. Born twice, you have the hope of heaven. Born once, you're going to another place. Born twice, you're going to heaven. And I think, I think, 
I think what makes hell, hell, you say, do you believe in the flames and burning forever and all of that? Well, you know what? Read the Bible. I believe what makes hell, hell is separation from God. Separation from God. Because I know what puts me in hell on earth. If you want to get into hell on earth, then just get separated from God. Get separated from the life of God. That's why when you sin, you've got to get things right because you can't stand that separation from God. There is nothing like being separated from God. The prodigal son, the first thing he thought about when he came to himself, it says he came to himself. You know, we can lose ourselves and go nutty, go crazy. But when he came to himself, the first thing he said is, I had it made in my father's house. It was my father's house I missed. I missed my father's house, and I missed the father in the house. He said, I'm going to go to my father. I don't care if I've got to be less than the servants. Being less than a servant in his house is better than being out of his house. I'll be anything to get into his house because his house is where his love is. His house is where his provision is. His house is where his blessing is. I've got to get into the father's house. And so he did anything to get there. And wasn't he amazed when the father ran and met him and embraced him and kissed him and cried over him and rejoiced over him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and fresh clothes on his body and rejoiced over his return because the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that comes back to the father. Jesus said... Jesus said you've got to be born again. Well, what is that, Pastor Jeff? That is when you go to him and you say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead on my behalf. I believe that you came to save me from sin, from eternity separated from God, and to bring me to heaven according to your word. And I believe that you are the Savior of the world. And when you say that, you say, Jesus, come into my heart. When you say that, something supernatural happens inside of you. And, and we're not talking about a New Year's resolution. That's when you make up your mind to be a better person. But being born again means that God gives you a heart transplant. He changes you on the inside. You are not the person you used to be. He puts his new nature inside of you. He puts his spirit inside of you. And for the first time in your entire life, you have the life of the Holy Spirit living in your heart. That's born again and Jesus said if you're not born again I was watching recently on TV all these rock stars held these concerts all over the world and raised millions and millions of dollars for Africa to fight AIDS and poverty in Africa and I think that is wonderful I mean hats off to them that is wonderful but if you took the leader of that and placed him in front of God when he died and God said why should I open the door to you? Well, I raised millions and millions and millions of dollars for children in Africa to fight AIDS and to fight poverty. That will not save you because you have not had the operation of being born again. There's only one thing, according to Jesus Christ, not Jeff Wickwire, but according to Jesus Christ, there's only one thing that ushers us into the glory of heaven and that is the blood of Jesus covering our life and a new man on the inside having been born again Jesus said let me tell you about the operation of the Holy Spirit he blows through a place he's like a wind and you have lost people and he blows like a wind and 
he says, how is it? Some are born again. Some are touched by him. They are saved. And Jesus said, you don't know where the wind came from. You don't know where it's going. So is everybody who is born from above. It is a wonderful thing when you see people saved. It's a supernatural act of God. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but through me. Say, Pastor Jeff, why are you going into this? We're all saved. Well, we don't know that, number one. Number two, let me tell you why I'm going into this, because this message is being lost on our culture, and we need to be preaching this everywhere we go. People need to be born again, or they won't see the kingdom of God. That's the great, wonderful, it's the greatest miracle you can ever experience. Jeff Wickwire was sitting in jail when I was 16 years old. I was in jail. Had never been raised in church. I was sitting in jail for sale of narcotics. Didn't know what I was doing. Lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Didn't know anything about God. Nothing about Jesus Christ. And somebody came in. A Baptist preacher came in with a few young people and a guitar. And they began to sing songs. They came to my cell and said, you want to come hear some people talk to you about Christianity? And I said, Krista, what? The only thing I knew about Jesus Christ was Jesus Christ Superstar. Are you really who they say you are? I'd heard the words to the musical. I heard it on the radio, and I liked the tune. That's all I knew about him. And I went and sat down with a group of boys, 16-year-old and under, 50 of us, sitting there in a pool room in the Harry Hines Juvenile Detention Center, and this man stood up and said, Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose from the dead. I'd never heard that in my life. And something said to me, what you're hearing is true. Then he said, you're going to go to court for something you have done the judge knows about. And I'm sitting there knowing he only knows the tip of the iceberg. But then it occurred to me, if what he's saying is true, that judge knows everything. He gave an invitation. I got to tell you something. He was in the natural. He looked like Clark Kent. Glasses, hair. To me, first thing I thought about him was he's not cool. But he opened up his mouth and I heard a gospel I'd never heard. And something said, respond. If you accept me, I'll change your life. If you don't, you're doomed. I said, okay. I stood up. Next thing I knew, I'm walking right behind this man. I'm starting to cry. I hadn't cried in years. I'd watch people get beat to a bloody pulp and didn't cry one tear. My heart was as hard as a stone. But all of a sudden, I'm crying. I couldn't figure out why. And then I'm realizing nobody else got up but me. He said, just come with me. He took me into a little room, sat me down. And he said, Jeff, do you want to pray a prayer and let Christ into your heart? All I could do was blubber it out. Yes, and I did. And all I can tell you is, when my head went down, I was one Jeff. When it came up, something was different. Everything in that dingy, green-walled room looked bright. I had a skip in my step. Couldn't have told you why, because I was in trouble. Went back to my cell, and I made one request. He gave me a little striped paperback New Testament. I said to the guard, can you leave my lights on? He said, sure. I started reading about him. everything he did and said. I said, wow, how have I never read this? And somebody was in that room with me. And I said, if you can make anything of this mess I made in my life, 
do it. And do you think I ever expected I'd be standing in front of you like this? Me? No. See, I got born again. It, it's not a New Year's resolution. It's not making a fresh turn. It, it, it's not making up your mind you're going to kick some habits. You change. You're changed by God. Now, I went into all of that because we've got to be clear on this, that something in my heart that I've been trying to fill in with drugs and, and all kinds of sinful activity, I didn't know I was looking for Him. But I was. Because God made me to fellowship with Him. Now listen, here's one of the real issues of loneliness. There's a God-shaped hole in every soul. And that day, that God-shaped hole got filled by Him. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can try the rest of your life, and you will not fill that hole with anything else. It has to be God. No drug will do it. No job or career will do it. No distraction or diversion will do it. No hobby or any other pursuit will do it. There is a God-shaped hole in every soul only God can fill. God created us to fellowship with Him. K. Arthur wrote these words. What is one way Christians can deal with loneliness? Snuggle in God's arms. When you are hurting, when you feel lonely, left out. Let Him cradle you, comfort you, reassure you of His all-sufficient power and love. Embrace God. Amen. Romans 5.10 says, We were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son. Hi, God. There you are. Proverbs 3.32 says, He offers His friendship to the godly. And that's not the people who go to church every Sunday. The godly are those who have been made godly through the blood of Christ. James 4.8 says, Draw close to God and He'll draw close to you. As soon as you're saved, you've got a fellowship line opened and you draw near to God and as soon as He sees you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. Jesus said, here's how you take care of loneliness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. And when you have done that, you're going to have the power to love your neighbor as yourself. Because now you've got another access to a power you did not have. It's the power of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said it. If you first love God, you're going to love your neighbor with the love of God. So the Bible's answer for loneliness is two, twofold. Ready? Outward, reach out to others. Reach out to people in friendship. Outward, and it's upward. Spend time in the three touch points of fellowship with God. Worship, prayer, and the Word. Those are the three touch points of fellowship with God. Every morning, I go out back, as I've told you so, much, so often lately, I go out back, and you know why I go out there? I go out there for survival. And I open up that Bible, and I pour over those pages. I make time. I get up before the sun rises, and I make time to get with God. And I open up that Bible, and it comes alive to me, and it begins to feed me, and I draw from the well of salvation. Because not, not because I want to be spiritual or not because I can get up, get up here and act like there's a halo over my head. No, no, no. I've got to do it to survive because I've got to have fellowship with God. I've got to be in close communion with God. He is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my shield. He's my wisdom. He's my healer. He's my deliverance. He's my all in all. I've got to have it. 
I've said this enough, but I think I've seen a few church people drive by to see if I was out there. Because you can see my house from the road. Should I have said that? <laughs> I just did. And boy, I read that Bible. And then when I'm done reading that Bible, I lift my hands and I worship God. Because that's a touch point of fellowship. And, and, and the life flow and the love flow of God begins to cascade down upon my thirsty soul. And He fills me. And He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am His own. I am His. He is mine. We are together. He saved me. He redeemed me. He delivered me. He healed me. He's my all in all. My alpha, my omega, my everything. He's my answer. And as I spend time with Him, then you see the loneliness is taken away. I may be alone, but I'm not lonely. Because, you know, I love Kathy, and God has done wonderful things with us. But you know what? There is a place Kathy can't go. It's made for God. And there's a place I can't go in her heart. It was made for God. You know, I want your marriage to work. It's three-way. Get it real tight with God. And then you've got something to always give to the person you're married to. If you don't do that, you're only the lonely. So let's stand together, can we?